0: Welcome to the Fishnets and Phantoms January 13th podcast with your host, Amy Shofsrain. Today, we are doing our best horror movies of 2019, the long awaited best of 2019 list. And I have to disagree with some of my fellow podcasters who say that 2019 was not a good year for horror movies. I found it to be a great year for horror movies. Some of the movies that came out this year are going to be classics to me for probably the rest of my life. I am very happy with this year's choices, so we are talking about movies released to the general public in the United States for 2019, where I am located. Now there are other films in consideration that I used in consideration for this year's list that were released earlier or shown in festivals or in other countries, Uh, but they were released in 2019 for general public consumption. So that was business first. Um, I have to say congratulations to the winner of the Guess My List contest. The winner wishes to stay anonymous, boring, anyways, but they got four out of 10 of my choices, right? And so, they um, they won. They were the one that was picked out of the people that got a higher amount of My Choices Right. So they have chosen, as a subject of my next review, 1988's Punkin' Head. Starring Lance Hendrickson, the inimitable Lance Hendrickson. Um, of course, you can remember him from Aliens and Millennium, uh, which I think actually might be my favorite show of his. I adored that, mo- that show. And a creepy guy, but... Well, actually, he's probably a really nice guy. I don't know. I've never met him personally. Anyways, thanks to all of you that entered our Facebook page and group contest, entered on our Facebook page and group. Look for more contests to come. Hopefully we will be able to get out some and we'll have as good a response as we did for our first one. And look forward to a review of Pumpkinhead from 1988. First, we are going to say that regrettably we missed two of the biggest films this year. Uh, we were not able to see... Well, I don't know why I'm saying we. Apparently it's the royal we and I am more than one person. Which is fine, I'm going to just go with that. We. Alright, so we, the royal we... I have uh, missed Parasite and The Lighthouse. Uh, Robert Eggers The Lighthouse and Bong Bong Jun joon uh, It's Parasite. Anyways, um, I had heard that Parasite was an excellent movie and that it is worth winning the uh, Best Oscar Award. So I'm very sad to have missed it. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to catch it soon, and maybe I'll do a review of it. Um... Alright, I'm going to start off with honorable mentions. These movies are all fine movies, but they didn't make the top ten cut. Uh, First is Andy Machete's, I'm not sure how to pronounce Andy's last name, but um, his It Part 2. This is the second part of Stephen King's It, um, and has to do with the grown-up. Um, children in Derry facing the horror that is the it that is the circus clown of doom and a uh, big wiggly bug i think that everybody knows the secret behind it by now that it is basically a big wiggly bug um, from space big w- wiggly bug from space but anyways it is quite also horrifying uh, but anyways machete's film was a big budget was big budget and very well crafted it was certainly More satisfying, it had a most. It certainly had a more satisfying end to the story than the TV movie predecessor from the 80s. Um, It came out in September and was full of big stars. Jessica Chastain and James McAvoy and Bill Harder were some of them. They did a great job with uh, King and Gary Doberman's material. And they did do a really good job. It was an extremely well done movie, but it just wasn't my bag of badgers, as they say on another uh, podcast. Also, i just like to point out that my co-hosts, um, my furry furry co-hosts, are probably going to be walking by and meowing and possibly turning off the computer. Because so they were going to play kitten on the keyboards, but they decided not to. All right. Um... So, moving on from it, which again, like I said, it, check it out—it's a very good movie. Uh, the next honorable mention is *Crawl* by Alexander uh, Aja, Aja uh, from Sam Raimi and Sam Raimi's production company. It was a great, fun movie. It Kaja Skoldery and Gary Barry Pepper and Russ Anderson are the few humans. In the movie at, that are up against the congregation of alligators yes by the way i did look up the collective noun for congregation of alligators um i was hoping it would be something like i don't know an amalgamation of alligators uh of alligators i don't know anyways it's just a congregation congregation of alligators who were washed up into the keller family's uh, former home's basement during a hurricane. They all go back to, well, not the, all, the daughter and the father go back to their old house, to the daughters trying to make sure that the father is okay, and hijinks ensue. Um, hijinks being alligators. <laughs> the movie is a fun creature feature with lots of jump scares and anxiety-provoking situations. There is a lot of anxiety around an incredibly cute little dog that they have. Um, Okay, spoiler alert, but I'm going to tell you the fate of the dog. The dog is fine. They do not hurt the dog in the movie, and I'm very grateful for that, because we all don't want to see the dogs. We don't want to see the animals hurt. I mean... Okay, yeah, if it's a big scary monster, that's the part point of the movie, is, is that you have to defeat the big scary monster. But just like the regular puppy dogs and stuff, we don't need that in our lives. We have enough. Just enough. Don't Just leave the doggies alone. Um, and they did. They did. They left the doggie alone. They got pretty close to him, but they didn't hurt him. So I was really glad of that. Because we know that the humans are all actors, and they're not really going to get hurt. But... I don't know, something about the animals, we just worry a little bit more. Alright, it should be pointed out that, while never to be taken lightly, alligators, even in hurricanes, are not typically aggressive towards humans. Now, they can be aggressive towards humans, and they can be incredibly fast, so don't play around with alligators. Don't tease them with um, a chicken on a piece of rope like uh, some friends of mine did one time. Do not do that. Leave the alligators alone and stay far away from them. But they are not typically aggressive towards humans. That's crocodiles. Crocodiles like to chase humans. They like to chase everything and eat it, eat it up a lot. Kudos to Asia for a fun, exciting movie. Now, the final honorable mention for this list is the other Stephen King movie this year, and that was Dr. Sleep, Vertigo Entertainment. This movie was somewhat inexplicably released right after Halloween, which was very confusing to me because I got back from, or was coming back from Halloween from our wonderful trip out to Salem, and again, I recommend going to Salem, and found out that Dr. Sleep was released right after that, which was great for us because we were busy on our trip, we didn't get to see it, and I thought, oh, I probably missed it, but no, it hadn't been released yet, and so... Um, We got to see it a couple days after Halloween when we got home. That probably hurt its box office some by being out after Halloween, but then again, maybe it helped it. I mean, maybe people were like, oh no, all the spookies are over, I want some spookies, and now here's a spooky. But it was really good. Um, Ian McGregor starred as the protagonist Danny Torrance, who you will recognize as the child protagonist from Kings of the Shining. Um, He did a great job. He handled the nuances that King gave the character in the book of dealing with some highly problematic alcoholism that he inherited from his father, and for those of you that only saw the movie The Shining and didn't see or didn't read the book, the book has a lot to do with his father dealing with his alcoholism and with his own personal problems. And Stanley Kubrick dealt with that, did not deal with that at all. He just made it... I have problems with The Shining, and a lot of people do, especially Stephen King, the movie, I should say. But um, I really loved the book, and I really loved the take on the father's personal problems and how he dealt with them and the depth to which King took, um, took the character... And I was really sad when I saw the movie, and it was just basically, ooh, scary, scary. You know, oh, this is, then it descended into a basic, like, family drama, and I was like, bah. But anyways, um, I have to say that uh, Mike Ferguson really does a great job of blending the two. Um, I had just read the book, uh, Doctor Sleep, before seeing the movie, and... I missed some of the brilliant bits that were in the actual book, but I also was really appreciative of Flanagan, Mike Flanagan, um, how he did, like, blend the book, actually kind of all, like, four things. It was the original Shining book, the Shining movie, the book Doctor Sleep, and his own, um... Movie Doctor Sleep, so I I think he did an excellent job combining all of that and almost like healing the rift between the um, the original book and movie and also keeping his book so that it could be seen by viewers as a part of the original movie while not betraying the source material and that must not have been easy. Um, I know that somehow or another they. <laughs> They please Stephen King with it, which is a um, is a pretty good good jump because he doesn't he I mean he's he's no Ellen Moore. It's not like he hates every single movie adaptation of of f- something that he's written, but to be able to bring him back on board um, and have him endorse the Doctor Sleep movie was a feat. So I definitely give him kudos for that. Kylie Curran was also powerful as Abra Stone, um, who is the young uh, heroine who fought against villains Rebecca Ferguson and the ever-creepy Zahn McLaren. And um, this, he was Crow Daddy, who was the partner of the villainous and incredibly powerful Rose the Hat. But I did like it a lot, and I highly recommend it. Number 10 on my list goes to a small movie, but a very good movie called Culture Shock. It was part of the Hulu's of Hulu's Blum, Blumhouse Into the Dark series of movies. Culture Shock was directed by Gigi Sol Guerrero, and it is a smart, I guess, sci-fi social Horror that involves a pregnant Marisol, who is played by Martha Higuerela, uh, trying to cross the Mexican-U.S. border uh, with a coyote. And uh, the situation she finds herself in is... There's definitely some triggering material in the, in the movie. Um, honestly, in horror movies, there's generally going to be some triggering material. I would uh, check out a really good site called Does the Dog Die? I know that sounds like a, a strange site, but bear with me. It is a, a site that tells you things like, does a dog die? Is there a scene with needles in it? Is there a scene with claustrophobia in it? All of the various things that may cause undue upset. Anyways, I won't tell you too much more. Spoiler, spoilers, spoilers, et etc. But it is a really good movie. I, um, I highly recommend it. Uh, again, it is an, the Into the Dark series on Hulu that is done with Blumhouse. My number nine is an Irish film called A Hole in the Ground by L- Lee Corning. He gets my nod for number nine. This is a very Irish-looking movie. I did a class on Irish film, and this is an extremely Irish film. Um, all, a lot of the films that were, have been filmed in Ireland have a, a bluish tint. I'm not sure if they use a blue lens, or it, everything in Ireland is somewhat blue. Um, I've never been there. It is possible, I suppose, that everything is slightly blue. Um, also, it has some funky wallpaper, and again, almost all of the movies that I've seen that were made in Ireland in the last eh, 30-ish years seem to also have funky wallpaper. So, um, the wallpaper here is interesting because it is kind of a, a riff off the floor, off the um, carpet in The Shining. It's the same pattern which is kind of interesting. I've seen it in other movies, but um, it's kind of unusual. The cinematography of the movie is beautiful. It's very well done. Um, The settings are amazing, of course, as Ireland is a very pretty place, and she moves to a small town uh, to get away from an abusive husband. They don't go too much into what happened with her husband, but they infer that the her and the little boy are trying to flee the husband by moving to this small town. The story uh, the story itself is a bit predictable. However, the way you get to the conclusion, which is, you know, the point anyways, I mean, it's not really what happens, but how it happens, as they say, and how it happens is very enjoyable. They do a great job. Um, Sienna, Kerns Lake... And James Marquet uh, star as the mother and son Sarah and Chris O'Neill. And Katie Outlinen is a sympathetic yet terrifying older woman as the child murderess Noreen Brady. She has a couple jump scares and she definitely imbues the part with uh, scary old lady vibes. We're just going to say scary old lady vibes. But yeah, I, um, I definitely enjoyed that movie a lot. It has some, it goes some places that you don't really expect it to go. It is a fairy story, basically, and as you know, if you know much about um, horror movies or much about folktales, um, fairies are not necessarily nice. The Wind blows into the number eight spot on my list. The Wind was directed by Emma Tammy who took the emptiness of the planes and the incredible loneliness of one woman, and she found that it may be far from the worst situation that our protagonist, Lizzie, played by Caitlin Gerrard, has to face. Miles Anderson, in a short but effective part as the Reverend, is suitably creepy. Um, he is sympathetic as well as menacing, and um, I had dreams about him in that part. And later on that night, it was, it was very well done. The movie has a small cast, um, but it, it's interesting because it focuses on. The female protagonists and um, it kind of focuses on female conflicts um, it focuses on like some of her fears her fears about um, fears about pregnancy fears about um, a miscarriage fears about the unfaithfulness of her husband and what that would mean to her I think you might have to actually order that movie I don't know if it's available for free right now oh um, another app that is a good one to check out is Um, Just watch. Um, You can find out where anything is available for streaming, um, and you can also check uh, if it is available locally to see currently in a movie theater. Uh, Just watch. It's a free app. Okay, my number seven film manages to be hilarious, gory, clever, solid political satire while dealing with the suburban satanic cults. Satanic Cults versus a Pizza Delivery Girl. The movie is Satanic Panic. And um, as of now, you do have to pay for Satanic Panic, but it is available streaming um, it's a couple bucks, like six bucks, I think, something like that to rent it. Uh, it is worth it. It is a fun ride. It reminds me of a 1980s B comedy, but it is also mixed well with a, a B horror movie. It's heavily gory in parts, but it is has like an almost innocent feel of fun to it, which is much needed lately. There is great parts with uh, Rebecca Romijn, um, and uh, it includes the Code of the Sams, and it's it's good fun. I highly recommend this movie, and that's why it was number seven on my list. Uh, number six. On my list is a film by one of my all-time favorite directors, Jim Jarmusch. Mr. Jarmusch is a divisive director in ways because he, he is one of those people that you either get him or you don't. And if you don't, you'd ha- you kind of hate his films. But if you get him, oh man, do you get him. You love his stuff. Um, he does movies that... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that have kind of a um, almost a student film sort of quality to them in a good way. He just has so much humor in just the delivery of lines, and he works with a lot of very famous actors that are basically just buddies of his now. Um, (laughs) This June, he brought his slow weird to the zombie movie, um, and appropriately for him, he came into zombie movies a little bit late. Jarmusch's movie... Kind of like the zombie movies, the best of those, in my not very humble opinion, is Night of the Living Dead, which famously was um, done by a bunch of students who just got together who could kind of sort of act and put them in front of the cameras, and everybody else was behind the cameras, Um, which is great. I love the story of how Night of the Living Dead was made, and if you ever get a chance to watch the making of, I would recommend that too. But the this movie is packed with Jarmusch's famous friends: Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Chloe Sevigny, uh, Tilda Swinton, Carol Kane, Iggy Pop, um, and of course Jarmusch's old friends RZA and Tom Waits. Uh, the zombie the zombies gravitate toward things that they did in life, as Adam Driver points out. And there's a great scene where Iggy Pop is a newly risen zombie and. He ends up at the diner with this pitcher of coffee and going, coffee, and like just pouring the hot coffee in his mouth. and Things go on. Um, There's a satellite that is possibly um, crashed and something to do with the sun not setting. And uh, Adam Driver, as, as Adam Driver likes to point out, he's been telling us that this is all going to end badly. And uh, I have to um, give kudos to Driver for having a lot of humor in um, in him. Um, I've seen him, of course, in Star Wars, the Star Wars movies, and some other movies, and he's a good actor. But I didn't I, I didn't know that he would have as much uh, as good of comedic timing as he ends up actually having. So I don't know if I pointed out how much I love this movie, but I'd like to point out again that I love this movie. Can I put that out again? No. Okay. I probably should have put it as my number one. All right, our next movie on the list at number five comes from Japan. One Cut of the Dead creeps in at number five. The beleaguered director, Haraguchi, played by Takayuki Hamitsu, is given the inevitable, enviable task of filming a zombie movie in a 37-minute one-take film. The writer-director Shin Sinichiro Uede. Now, he partnered with the horror movie channel Shudder to film this odd yet hilarious and gory meta-zombie movie. It's a strange movie. It takes a while to get into the fun of the movie because at first it kind of just seems like a harried producer or harried director trying to make an incredibly bad movie uh, but as it goes, you start to realize that a uh, zombie apocalypse is actually rising around them as they make this incredibly horrible zombie movie. Look for Harumi Shuhame as now, I believe her name is now, And she is a very capable production assistant, who I believe is the wife of the director. And she is letting nothing get in her way to get in this movie made. She is awesomely tough and she just, she can't be asked. She's like trying to get this thing done and she's gonna get it done and it's great. It's a really fun movie to watch. I highly recommend it. One Cut of the Dead and it is on Shudder. Shudder, if you don't know, which I'd imagine that you do, but Shudder is a horror movie pay-per-view channel, um, like, uh, Amazon Prime or Netflix, but it's, just horror movies um it has a selection of older horror movies a pretty good selection at that but then it has independent movies and it has new movies from the united states but a lot of foreign movies and movies that released as festival circuit movies originally and uh highly recommend them they're they're very good at um curating their selection all right, Ready or Not is number four on my list. It is directed by Matt Bottonelli Olpen, Tyler Gillette, um, for Fox ser- Searchlight. Ready or Not is another blend of horror, gore, and social commentary, as well as, um, very comedic movie. Um, the young bride, Samara Weaving, portrays, finds herself in, finds out that her new rich family is... Not just rude and boorish, but murderous, self-serving, and in a pack with the devil. Or at least seemingly the devil. At least some sort of high demon. She she is on the night of her wedding embroiled in a deadly game of hide-and-seek, where the goal is to bring her back to be sacrificed for the family's patron demon. She, however, is no easy prey. She definitely is not the one. She's... Did you, if, if you saw the movie You're Next, she reminds me of that. Like, she's, she's definitely, she's got her fighting skills. She would be on my zombie team. She's uh, not going to be taking any of that. Nikki Gurudagni uh, stands out as the bored and blunt Aunt Helene. She is hilarious. And again, she has one of those parts that isn't as much what she says as the intonation and the body language. And she's just she reminds me of the Dowager in Downton Abbey. She's not gonna she's just not. <laughs> but um, it's a really fun movie. It's the family is just they're Adam's family nasty. They're just actually they're more than Adam's family nasty. They're just beyond. But they're they're really funny. Um, all their they're bickering and squabbling and the adventure of the bride and um, her new husband trying to get away from the rest of the family is is great. So, enough of the fun and games. The next three movies on my list are some of the most intense movies I have seen, actually in my life. Coming in at number three is Ari Aster's folk horror movie, Midsommar. Uh, I was very excited about this movie. It was released uh, July 3rd, which pretty much is midsummer in the really real world. I think it's like a couple of days off. I did a piece on it a couple of weeks back, which I highly recommend. It's um it's a folk horror uh, movie and it's it's just beautifully done. It's by A24. Just notice that it is up on Amazon Prime for free right now, if you have Amazon Prime. Uh, Starring Florence Pugh, this A24 movie contradicts horror tropes by being set nearly entirely in the daylight, very bright daylight, because July in this latitude is a land of the midnight sun. Aster has created a masterpiece of folk horror. She, he shows the, how the unspeakable brutality of human society lies not apart from ide- our idealized past, but integrated in it and in us all. Uh, Ari Aster does a great job of filling the whole movie with details, and um, even in some of the scenes, there are shadow faces in the background in the trees. Subliminal. Subliminal images in the backgrounds of the movie uh, throughout the whole thing. And I, I found it to be an incredible movie. Definitely go for it. It's a great movie. Um, number two, Hagazuza, A Heathen's Curse, is the name of it in the, the English language title. Hagazusa is a word that in German basically meant like hag or witch or something like that. But it also meant, um, like, fence sitter, someone who is in between, someone who is in a liminal state, which is very interesting, actually, because uh, the movie does have to do a lot with liminal states. Um, it is a German language movie, and it is also um, in the folk, folk, um, folk horror genre, arguably. I think I've heard some people say that it isn't exactly folk horror, but uh, if you ask me I'd say it's folk horror. It was the final project in film school for the director and writer, Lucas Fiegelfeld. And it was his final project, and he originally released it in 2018, but like I said, it was not available until April uh, 2019. And again, I was very excited when it came out. I've been looking forward to seeing it for some time. I think that it was... um, advertised probably in Bloody Disgusting and various horror uh, movie news sites. And so when it was actually finally able to stream, I was right on that. It's streamable, I believe, on Shudder as well. Hadazuza follows the life of a medieval peasant uh, named Albrin. The beginning shows her as a child uh, with a character called Mutter, just her mother. And um, it is set in the mountains near Austria um, and it's set in the Fifteen hundreds, I believe. It is pretty much the polar opposite of Midsummer. Most of the film is very, very dark. It is sumptuously dark. It was, um, it's a very beautiful but dark movie. A slow movie that follows the her life as. She tries to blend into the society of early Christians um, moving away from paganism, and um, she's kind of caught in the middle. She's already an outsider, her and her mother, and the peasants in the area make reference to the fact that they think that she's a witch and that her mother was a witch. And they might be witches. Um, They definitely are not averse to witchcraft. (laughs) Um, They uh, have... uh, Lots of herbs are on there, rooms, um, skulls, various other things like that. But she's initially seemingly at the beginnings of being accepted into the peasant community and then very violently thrust out of that beginning community and she definitely has her revenge. Yeah, the, there's a, a lot of physical and spiritual conflict that comes up that pushes her away from the Peasant Society, and it def- descends into a phantasmagorical reality. In the end of the movie, I don't know, there's just scenes in it that kind of stick in your head, and um, it is a very interesting, intelligent movie to watch, but it's going to get under your skin a little bit. So yeah, I definitely all the trigger warnings for that one. <laughs> just, just throw them on in there. But yeah. Hagazusa is a big recommend for me. I found it to be an excellent movie um, and definitely a well-done freshman effort by uh, Lucas Fiegelfeld. All right, the number one movie. We are to the point where we are at number one on our list for 2019. Okay, I had a little bit of a hard time picking from these three which I was going to pick as number one, but really not that hard of a time because number one is just beyond the pale. It is amazing. It is a movie from Mexico called Tigers Are Not Afraid in English. It ended up being an easy number one pick because I was blown away at how deftly the um, story is portrayed on the screen and the incredible incredible quality of acting that the young actors in it um, are able to deliver it is written and directed by Ilsa Lopez Isa I'm sorry Isa Lopez uh, for Filmadora National its original title was Vulven which means return and I can see that as a title but I believe that Tigers Are Not Afraid is and it's much more fitting it is a magical realism film. It follows the young Estrella, played magnificently by Paolo Laura, who is given three pieces of chalk by her kind teacher during a gunfight outside of a classroom. Her teacher gives her the chalk as a way to calm her down, and she tells her that the pieces of chalk are each, uh, each a wish. And much like a fairy tale, the rest of the film follows Estrella through these wishes and the consequences that come from them. And of course, like any folk or fairy tale, the wishes do not always come out as you would hope. None of the wishes turn out um, as one would generally wish them. The movie is set in Mexico's um, incredibly violent drug war. There are, again, for the trigger warnings, there is a lot of murder and um, sexual assault in the movie. Um Mostly, mostly murder and violence. Um, she soon joins up with a group of boys, who have also lost their families. She, Estella, when she goes home after getting her pieces of chalk, finds that her mother has disappeared, and she has nothing or nowhere to go. But she is soon interrupted from her sorrow by elshine who breaks into her and her mother's apartment and um, is stealing the few things that they have. And she follows him home, well, home, quote-unquote, to the rooftop. Iannis Guerrero as Caco, Rodrigo Cortez as Paul, Hansel Casillas as Tushi. Anyways, uh, Juan Ramon Lopez is El Shine, and he is a great um, child actor. He's He was actually put up for Best Actor in the Golden Globes a couple of days ago, um, and he easily could have won it. He did a great job in his part, and I'm actually surprised. I don't think that um, Paula Laura was also similarly put up, but she should have because she's wasn't incredible in her part as Estrella. But yeah, um, the little gang that lives on top of the roofs uh, don't want to accept uh, Estrella at first, but eventually they come to depend on each other through various things that happen having to do with a gang that they come into conflict with, and some politicians, and um, various things to do with money, guns, um, and cell phones. It is, um, it is during all of this that magical and ghostly happenings start to, um, have to infiltrate the action in the movie. And, um, it's done very lyrically, um, like a lot of magical realism movies, which are pretty familiar to Mexican cinema. I talked about this in uh, the piece that I did on Tigers Are Not Afraid, and I love the, um, the, the I guess it would be a genre? No, it's not really a genre, but the technique, I guess, of using magical realism in films. And uh, Like Water for Chocolate is one that definitely has um, the magical realism in it. And Guillermo del Toro, of course, uses uh, magical realism a lot, along with just straight-up fantasy in his movies. Uh, it's a lot more subtle in this movie than in uh, Guillermo del Toro movie, but um, it's, it's a great movie. I highly recommend seeing it. The ambiguity is the beauty of this brutal yet lyrical film between the ambiguity of what is real and what is not, and you don't really know if the children are just... Children, so they're making up these happenings in their heads if they're just being overly uh, imaginative, or if all these things are really happening. And it doesn't matter. It's it that is what makes it beautiful. Kind of bringing you to remember that pretty much nothing in our lives is is completely certifiable. I mean, you don't know exactly what happens from second to second. It is all based on your own perceptions of life. But um, I highly, highly recommend seeing Tigers Are Not Afraid. It is a excellent, excellent movie. And it is also on Shudder if you have that service. I highly recommend that or spending a few dollars to um, get a hold of the movie. All right, there we have it. That was the Fishnets and Phantoms 2019 list of my top ten films. Hopefully, the Gods of Time and Business will allow for our bonus episode on the 31st to actually go through this year, this month. Um, otherwise, I will see you on February the 13th for our Cold Hearts Before Valentine's Day episode. Uh, I'm not sure which film I'm going to be reviewing. I will be doing Pumpkinhead very soon. Uh, possibly I'll be doing that next week, but... If I find something that fits very well with the theme of cold hearts before Valentine's days, I will uh, add that in instead. Um, you can get in touch with me on uh, the Fishnets and Phantoms Facebook page or the Facebook group. Um, feel free to add to the, uh, pay- to the group's um, postings and to get in touch with me through the messaging system. I would love to hear from each and every one of you. Uh, If you have a chance, I have to ask you to please, please go to your podcasting site of choice and give us a five-star rating. It means a lot to us, and it might be the difference between me being able to keep this podcast going and not. Um, So if you get a chance, please go to your podcast host of choice, Apple I, or iTunes podcasting, uh, Spotify, whichever it is, and give us a good rating and possibly a little review. I um, would really love to hear what you guys think of my little show. Uh, there's my uh, co-host uh, Chi in the background, meowing. Um, she also would like to hear from you. Um, and if you guys are really nice, I'll post pictures of my cats on the uh, uh, website. I try to put a lot of things in the website. Um, put in um, interesting news items. I put in um, histories of punk rock and goth music. Because um, this is Fishnets and Phantoms podcast. It, it is uh, goth girls' view of, of horror movies, horror literature, um, other genres too, but probably mostly horror genre because I don't know it's fun (laughs) um so I look hearing look forward to hearing from you on the various platforms and you guys all take care stay warm out there it is nasty out stay warm I'll see you guys soon take care bye-bye